Episode 268 of the Biz Talk with Bill Roy podcast. The Wichita Business Journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people, places, companies, organizations, and issues that are important to Wichita's business community. I'm Managing Editor Kirk Semenoff sitting in for Bill. Well, there are a couple of hot button issues in America these days, guns and abortion. In Kansas, the August 2nd special election that will determine whether the legislature can further restrict abortions seems to be as divisive an issue as there's been here in some time. So it's a good time to talk with Damon Young of the Kansas Leadership Center about one small step. That's the StoryCorps project that brings Wichitans of divergent political and philosophical beliefs together for conversations so that we learn to hear and appreciate each other. Damon joins me in episode 268. But first, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. This week's cover story is a look at what could, and emphasize the word could, be Wichita's next national restaurant franchise. Chicken Max wants to follow in the successful footsteps of White Castle, Pizza Hut, and Freddy's in starting in the air capital and expanding around the country. Reporter Josh Witt spent time with Chicken Max founder Max Sheets to talk about how the company worked through COVID-19, made some adjustments, and now is ready to move far beyond Wichita. That story begins on page 12. Our list this week is assisted living facilities. See who tops the list and read how these senior centers are still using COVID-19 guidelines to keep residents healthy and safe. The list is on page eight. Part of our mission is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly lead section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, and court judgments. Our lead section this week begins on page 16. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Damon Young is Chief Business Officer at the Kansas Leadership Center, and this year he's also Chair of the Board of Directors for the Wichita Regional Chamber of Commerce. And if that's not enough to take up a huge chunk of his professional life, he's also been heavily involved in one small step. That's a national project from StoryCorps that since late 2020 has been using Wichita as a test city and bringing residents together from across the political divide for conversations to hopefully reveal shared humanity. Damon, thank you for joining me. Yeah, it's my pleasure. I'm excited. Thanks. Uh, before we get into one small step, let's talk about your role at the KLC. You, you joined KLC after 12 years at, at Mahaney Group, including the last year as president. Why why make the move to KLC? You know, honestly, I didn't make the move from Mahaney to KLC. Uh, I made the move to when I resigned just to want to work on broader macro community development issues. And I was curious what the best place to do that was. I loved Mahaney. I loved the people, loved Mark, the owner. Uh, and I just was, it was time for me to focus on a more macro level instead of a micro and took a three month sabbatical. And when I weighed my options, KLC just was the best fit and I'm thrilled to be here. What made you make the decision to, to look at a more macro level for your career? <laughs> it's funny. I think a lot of us, you know, the wave of great resignation when I was going through that, 
I wasn't privy to all the articles and I go, oh, I'm a part of a movement afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think I was alone in doing some soul searching about the highest and best use of my time. And I think the more that I was noticing my involvement in workforce development, community development, economic development, the more that I'm, I know that I'm a bridge build, builder, Kirk. And, mm -hmm. and I know that's one of the things that, you know, I think that a gift that God gave me and I, I wanted to use it and I had been using it at Mahaney, but I think it was an issue of mental health to some degree, because how many things can a fellow do, you know? <laughs> and I think sure. I was really struggling to, to work on all the community things I wanted to do. And then also to run an excellent company. And I remember when I resigned, I told Mark, I said, I feel that I'm getting ready to do two things I love poorly. And I'm not willing to do that. And I have to choose. And it was it was one of the hardest decisions of my life. Um, but a little bit of distance now, and I'm glad I made it. And um, because there's a lot of work to do on the macro level to help organizations with the development of their people, to help organizations work across difference, uh, to dream big together, to, to work on tough challenges. And so I'm, I'm thrilled with the choice I made. Uh, it was really hard, um, but ultimately just trying to make my gifts, apply my gifts towards the, the highest and best use that I possibly could. And you've been in that role for less than a year now, but uh, your your leader at KLC at O'Malley is is leaving for down the street or next door, I guess, the Kansas Health Foundation uh, as president and CEO. Can you talk about Ed's leadership at the KLC and 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 what it's meant to you and what it's meant to the organization? Yeah, I'd love to. You know, when Ed took that role, he was thirty one years old, and he's been reflecting on that uh, with staff and just how young and motivated and, and, you know, honestly, probably a little naive, right. Of, <laughs> of, of the, of all the ways that KLC, which was just an idea from KHF, uh, how it could work for the common good of Kansas and the way he's built this organization to be nimble, uh, to, to build the capacity of the people within it. And then most importantly, to build the capacity of others, you know, if KLC KLC on its best day is an organization that doesn't get any credit. <laughs> right. It's like the stories, if we're successful, community groups, um, people in government, nonprofits, faith, business, they're doing their work more effectively and they're the heroes of that story. And that's what Ed's done. Um, he doesn't have an ego, which is, I'd say that's the thing that most impresses me uh, having worked with him now for the last you know seven months. He that there's that old cliche. It's amazing what you can get done when you don't care who gets the credit. Mm -hmm. um, that's Ed. I mean, he 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 does not care who gets the credit. He just wants to do good in the world. And that's what he brought to KLC. And uh, I'm thrilled for him. I think that um, him going to KHF is going to be amazing uh, for KHF. I think it'll be great for KLC. I think it'll be great for the community. So. I know it was a hard decision for him, but I bet, like I like me, I think he'll look back and be glad he made the choice. Yeah, it certainly seems like he he's leaving the Kansas Leadership Center in, in great hands, and uh, he, he, I'm sure he'll be a success next door. Uh, let's talk about one small step. Uh, it, like you've already said, it certainly seems like a good fit for you getting Wichita's talking about their lives and about their views. Can you take us? 
through how you got involved in the, and this is a national project. Take us through how you got involved in it. Yeah, I'd love to do. I think that it started with me pondering. Uh, I knew, so the way the Chamber of Commerce works is you know you're going to be the chair. Like I knew late 2019, I was going to be the chair in 2022. So it's a big uh, lag that you have um, when you when you realize you're going to be in that role. So I had been curious because the person in 2020 was Janetta Everett, who I absolutely loved uh, getting to know and becoming friends with and watching the way she took her passion for DEI and built it into a theme, what she called level up. I, that intrigued me because um, I do have a business background. I have a marketing background. I thought, oh, I love how she did that and uh, took something she cared about. So I've been curious about what might that thing be for me? And the more that I saw what was happening in the country and locally and politics, the more I was getting concerned about the culture of contempt, reading a ton on it. Those of you who know me know that I kind of pick a theme and I read on it for a consistent period of time. So I've been doing a lot of reading on, on civics. Um, and then I was at, a, I was a guest actually, um, to, at East side Rotary Rotary. I was, I'm a downtown Rotarian and I was invited to go to the East side for lunch and Dave, I say spoke and, uh, it was really, he's amazing. Um, the way that he told, talked about story and the power of people's stories and the beauty and poetry of people's stories. And then the way he talked about how he took that and you and redesigned it to tackle this problem of toxic polarization. I was super impressed. And I also was kind of like, we got to get this guy a bigger room because <laughs> there was 40 people there. And, you know, it's kind of like preaching to the converted. Like, I think all 40 of us were crying and like, we're in. And uh, I thought we, we need to get this to a bigger audience. And so that's when I started talking to him about coming to Wichita my chair's year, um, which we did. And we brought him to Wichita in March. And then, you know, that was 600 people, 600 business leaders um, that we brought them to. And then I'm just trying to get the word out during my uh, chamber year. Mm -hmm. Talk about the why of, of, of getting involved for you. Uh, it, it seems right up your alley, uh, what this project does. Yeah, the why, I think, I think that there's a misconception about the why. I think that a lot of people think the why is like, it's the morally right thing to do or... Um, and I think it is the morally right thing to do, but I, I think it's much more than that. Um, I, and in order to fully appreciate that, I think we have to take stock of the problem. And that's not fun to do. Who wants to look <laughs> at problems? <laughs> but the problem, so a, a stat that Dave shares is that more than half of Americans when surveyed say the greatest threat to our democracy is their fellow citizens. That's startling. I know. And, and when you start to meditate on that, and you'll hear this phrase, the culture of contempt, and the best def definition I have for the culture of contempt is going from disagreeing to hating. Mm. And I, and then I think, so I think if more than half of us think that our fellow citizens are the biggest threat, and we can't disagree well, and we actually lend towards hating, then there's another phrase that, that I've become educated about, and that's confirmation bias, which is simply 
the narrative that says I'm right and my opponent is evil. <laughs> and uh, when you get a little bit of distance from that, you think it's laughable to me. It's like, it's a pretty virtuous interpretation, right? Of our own, uh, how we show up in the world that how convenient that, that I'm right. And people who disagree with me are, are evil. Um, problem is we can't run a democracy that way because we need each other. And uh, so what, what I hope is that the talks I'm doing around town, can, we can start to just breathe in this problem. It's all around us. We see it on every, you know, go back during the pandemic and watch any of the school board meetings or the city council or county commission meetings. It's right in front of us. Watch the news, watch national politics. We are losing the ability to disagree well. And I believe that that is our greatest power as citizens is to disagree well and to innovate. Uh, so this is not about everybody getting in a room and singing Kumbaya and agreeing. It's quite the opposite. We need intentional, innovative, creative people across the political spectrum thinking of amazing ideas to move our communities forward. And then, but we're going to have to talk about them and then we're going to have to work the problem and work the solution. And, and Kirk, I just fear that we're losing the ability to do that. And so that's my why. I want to innovate. I want to problem solve and I want to help others do the same. And I fear that this culture of contempt and confirmation bias are things that we need to put a spotlight on. Can you talk about the the nuts and bolts of how people get together <clears throat> and um, to have these conversations? It's not an easy thing to do unless you're an outgoing person. And it's not even an easy thing to do if you're an outgoing person because you're, you're <laughs> forcing yourself to have a tough conversation. How, how are you able to get people together? Yeah, I think that that's, I love the way you asked that question because I think it is intimidating and that's probably one reason a lot of folks don't do it. So one small step recognizes that, um, you know, there are a lot of things, but they're social scientists and they did, a, they test these things to figure out the right conditions to have a productive conversation. And it's called one small step for a reason. It's one little step. So what's not going to happen is you're going to get paired with someone who disagrees with you. You're on your own and you just have to have a conversation and then you end up, you know, <laughs> arguing with each other <laughs> right. like that's not what this is what it is you're actually when you sign up you fill out a basic kind of uh not biography that'd be too in-depth of a word but kind of a, a basic questionnaire that kind of frames your perspective as best as you can um and even if it's like well i'm kind of middle of the road that's okay frame that just answer the questions and then you're paired with someone who's as opposite as they can find and then you're placed with someone uh, with a facilitator. And it's, only, it's about a 40 minute conversation. So it's facilitated. Um, one of the things you do when you first start, um, remember the culture of contempt, you know, going from disagreeing to hating. Well, contact theory says that it's really hard to hate up close. Like I can scream it from a rooftop at, with someone I don't know, or I can type it in a chat on social media. Uh, but when I'm looking at someone in the eye, <laughs> most of us are not going to hate the other set of eyeballs we're looking into. 
We're going to dial it back a little bit. We're going to dial it back. And one of the first things you do in a, in a facilitated conversation is you actually read the, the short biography narrative that the person wrote about themselves. I like if you, Kirk, you and I were doing it, I would read yours and you would read mine. Mm-hmm. And just that simple act, KLC would say like it lowers the heat, like it lowers the heat to get us in the productive zone where we can just start to have a conversation. And then the, the facilitators are pretty skilled at finding something that's a common link that that could be talked about. Um, for example, in my interview, uh, so, so, you know, if we're gonna go with kind of the, the caricatures or the brass tacks of our identity, you know, I'm a white male Christian uh, Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was kind of funny when they asked me that. They said, is it okay if we identify you as a white male Christian Republican? And I thought, you know, because none of us want to be labeled, right? And I was like, sure. uh, yeah, I think so. That's pretty much what I am. Um, and the person, Martine, who I interviewed with uh, was, uh, and I'm also a fifth generation uh, American and he was a first generation Mexican American um, uh, Democrat um, Muslim. Mm-hmm. And uh, but what we ended up talking about was he was in the service. Um, I was in the service for a short stint. My my dad was a Vietnam veteran, and Martine had volunteered extensively with um, veterans and helping them kind of reorient when they come back home. And that's what we ended up talking about for the most for the most of the conversation. And, and we didn't solve any of the world's problems that day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, We just humanized each other. And uh, that's, that's all this is. And I have, I think there's other things we can do going forward. Um, KLC is working on several of those um, that we could, we could probably get together and talk about another time. But I think this is simply one, that's the one small step. It's a 40 minute facilitated conversation, um, not really focused on difference, but really more focused on humanization and building connection. And it, and it sounds like the common ground g- leads to conversations that, that are more comfortable, right? Yes. And, and I can tell you without, uh, without exception, you know, I've been promoting this to the business community and a lot of friends and community development spaces and I get a couple people a week coming up to me now saying, uh, I did one of those talks and, uh, and it was really moving. And the person, you know, I don't agree with what they thought about such and such, but they were a good person. And many people are like, we're going to get coffee or we're going to, we're going to stay in touch. And um, so that's, that's all it is. Uh, Dave has a line that says, if today's world is, you know, screaming in people's ears or, you know, with a megaphone, you know, I think that this is whispering in people's ears. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I hope people will, people will be enriched when they do it. Uh, they, they will be, uh, they'll, they're going to feel better about our democracy. They're going to feel better about humanity and hopefully even feel better about themselves. I can imagine going into it before reading a, the other person's uh, bio or background that it, it might seem like this is going to be a debate. I have to convince uh-huh. this person that I'm right. Uh, and, and is that emphasized that that's not the goal here? That yeah. you come away thinking we do have commonalities. Yeah, 
yeah, it's not about, you know, let's solve for gun control or the right level of taxation or abortion rights or, you know, like there's no that one that's not going to happen in 40 minutes. And <laughs> and two, it's not about agreeing, you know, I and I think that it's not about convincing. You know, I think that's one of the problems of our of our age right now is that our expectation, I, if it was to convince, we're going about it pretty in, in a pretty interesting way. You know, uh, Arthur Brooks, who's done a lot of work on this, talks about how you can't take your bouquet of flowers, which are your values, and beat someone over the head with them. <laughs> <laughs> like, imagine a bouquet of flowers that are my values, and I'm in a conversation with you. I should give those to you as a gift. Uh, a gift of goodwill, like here's my values. You might disagree with me on this issue or that issue, but let me explain my value set and how I got here. And I'm going to give that to you as a gift. Um, and then, you know, over time, we're probably going to be able to have some more in-depth conversations as a society um, on things that are the tough challenges. But if we take that bouquet of flowers and just th throw them at each other or light them on fire and throw them at each other or beat each other over the head, like our values are corrupted. You know, and that's the kind of deep part of all this. Like, who are we? <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, we have a, as you know, we have a constitutional amendment question on the ballot next mm -hmm. month regarding abortion rights. Um, that's as hot button, hot button an issue as I can recall in some time at the state yeah. level. Does that make these conversations resonate even stronger this summer? Uh, I, I don't know that anybody's actually talking about the question during these conversations, but it kind of kind of reminds you that these are important conversations. Yeah, I think so. I think that I've been reflecting a lot on that. And I think whether we're talking to the two issues, I think that are the hottest right now are gun control and abortion. And I think something both those issues have in common is that they're going to require some level of compromise. Right. You know, like if you if you take both those issues in pair and you say, you know, unlimited access, whether it's to abortion or whether it's to a firearm um, or unlimited, you know, complete restriction. You know, get get away from the politics of where someone stands on the issues and just those two those two solutions of unlimited access or uh, complete restriction. The majority of people on both those issues don't think that either of those are the right answer. Right. So <laughs> you know, if those are on the two sides and you start to think about how you walk that towards the middle, that is going to require conversation. Mm -hmm. That is going to require humanizing each other to have a conversation. That's going to require a different civic muscle than we've been used to, to, to using uh, in recent times. And uh, I don't pretend to say what that right balance is. Um, and I know there are some on both sides of those issues, a smaller percentage who actually would want unlimited restriction of either of those things and or complete ban of either of those things. But, but the majority of Americans don't want one or the other like that they would they would think there's probably some sort of nuanced compromise so i think that's reflective of why this is important 
I agree that you're not going to try to debate someone on abortion rights in a one small step conversation. That wouldn't be an appropriate use of the format. But you could humanize someone who disagreed with you and go back to that bouquet of flowers. You could see their value set. You know, tell me why this is important to you. We're not going to talk about what the number of weeks <laughs> uh, that or the conditions in which someone might find an abortion acceptable or or you know any of that nuance. But what we are going to what we are going to do is humanize the other person. And so right. I think it's extremely uh, timely that we could use one small step as a tool to humanize the other side. And then, you know, downstream, when we start to think about um, what type of compromises we make in our social contract, because that's what I think all of us would do well to remember. The, the democratic Republic is an experiment, you know, self-government governance is, it requires a level of social contract and mutual trust and shared humanity. And this is something that we have to lean into, even when it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. uh, what's the long-term, uh, is there a long-term goal for one small step in Wichita as far as uh, coming away with takeaways, coming away with conclusions? Is, is, is that the goal or is it just simply to have conversations? I think it's, I think it's simply to have conversations. I mean, there's a growing ecosystem of different movements around our increased civic education and civic involvement. Um, and I don't, I don't know that one small steps coalitions might not get into that lane. Um, but initially it's the same as StoryCorps. Like you're just capturing a story of a loved one, you know, you're, you're just, you're capturing the humanity and beauty in someone's story. This is similar. So I think the goal would be uh, some level of saturation, you know, some level of, if, you know, we're one of four cities that have been selected as, as kind of pilot cities and we're leading the charge. Uh, so way to go Wichita's, um, but we need to get more people signed up because it's still, you know, a very small percentage of Wichita's who have done these conversations. So we need to increase access for them, uh, have them be in more unusual places, which one small step is willing to do if we, they could be on college campuses or in high schools or uh, uh, different environments, you know, that we could think of. Uh, so it's not just always the same. They can also be done online. They don't have to be done in person. Um, so I think it's probably just saturation, Kirk, where where a good number of people have be begun to see the humanity in others. And then I know KLC, we're working on several things and have been and, uh, along with other uh, people in town like KMUW and like the, you know, Engage ICT and, and different civic forms for people to have discussions. Um, and we'll continue to do that work um, and grow that work. Um, but I don't think their ambition is at this point to do much besides introduce people to the humanity of their neighbor. Mm -hmm. And then, like you mentioned, it's not too late to, to, for someone to have a conversation and we'll put a link to the one small step uh, website on our, on our blog that accompanies this podcast. So people can get started that way. Yeah. You, you hinted at KLC having some follow-up uh, things going on with, with one small step. Can you talk about that a little bit or is it kind of in the growing phase? 
No, I can talk about it. I just, uh, I think that, so the, the movement, uh, there's a gentleman named Eric Liu who started something. He wrote a book called Becoming America. And I read it back to, back to the, uh, when I was reading a lot of books on this topic. And, and Eric is a very liberal person, uh, much more progressive than I am, but he was casting a vision for enhancing uh, our involvement in our democracy. He has a, he, he, he puts that quote out there that's, that some of us have heard around. You know, there's a statue of liberty on the East Coast. There should be a statue of responsibility on the West Coast because citizenship requires both. And so we've partnered with Eric Ludic to do something called Civic Circles. Um, in his original model, they called those Civic Saturdays. Some people may have heard of that. But we're looking at growing a uh, hundred civic circles across the state uh, within the KLC network and without gathering people together, you might say to take the next step, uh, if one small step is the first, to, to come together and celebrate uh, celebrate the country and celebrate that it is a, a self-repairing country, that we can, we can make progress on things that, that are hard, um, but it requires us to do things together. And mm -hmm. so it's a, it's a formatted time of reflection, uh, even some beauty like reading uh, a historical poem or writing, and then uh, talking through uh, an issue, and then having a nuanced conversation about that. Um, so that's something. Civic circles. Um, I could. I'll give you a link to that too. You could put that on there. It's it's something that we're excited about because uh, I do think people are tired of being isolated. I think that. The pandemic has lots of after effects, of course, but one of them is the focus on mental health and isolation. And the culture of contempt and confirmation bias certainly lead to more isolation and I think ultimately depression. And so we want people to come out of that cave, if you will, <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. hang out with their fellow Kansans and, and reflect on, uh, yes, our country can repair some things and do things better and correct some wrongs, but we're, we can do it and we can do it together. Well, it's like, you, it's an important topic and it, it's, it's like you said, it, we have been in caves and, you know, whether you've had a little bit of mental health question or a lot during this, these pandemic times and coming out of them and seeing everything that's involved with that. Um, I, I have to think these have been valuable conversations for the people who have, who have taken part. Yeah. And Kirk, I want to say one more thing about that, which is um, to my conservative friends out there, we need more conservatives to sign up. Uh, one of the challenges that One Small Step has is that they come from a more progressive liberal background and uh, their primary vehicle has been KMUW and, uh, and, and that has generally a more moderate uh, and liberal audience. And we need more conservatives to do these, uh, sign up for the conversation so that, because remember, this is all about pairing, <laughs> you know, so uh, we need we need conservatives to, to you know, let your voice be heard um, and, you know, show up and show out uh, that, that uh, you know, demonstrate, bring your bouquet of flowers uh, into the conversation. And, and if you get mad that you've been demonized, um, 
you know, which, which we know confirmation bias does that of both sides. So that's a real feeling that you're feeling uh, probably as a, as well on either side, but speaking to my conservative friends, you're probably feeling kind of demonized sometimes. And this is an opportunity to, to take a step towards that and, and demonstrate your values of, of kindness and generosity and, and lifting people up and all the things that I know that, that, that you believe in. And um, so we need, we need all which tends to sign up, but I just wanted to give that plug to some of my conservative friends that, that we'd love to hear your voice be represented. Well, let's hope they hear the message and we'll get the message out there. Damon, thanks so much for joining me. Um, Damon Young of the KLC and the Greater Wichita uh, Regional Chamber of Commerce. We appreciate the time. Yeah, thank you, Kurt. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 268. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at wichitabusinessjournal.com. Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks very much to our sponsor, Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com forward slash evolve. Be well and be safe. Have a profitable week.